0: Continuing with our series, Faith Journeys, this morning, we are looking at four stories over the course of uh, what will be four weeks. We'll conclude next week. Four stories that all occur in the Gospel of John, that all are a significant part of that narrative of, of John's theology, of John's expression of what it means not only to recognize Jesus and the importance of that but also some of the, uh, the consequences of our ignorance or of our rejecting uh, God through Jesus Christ when we encounter him. So this morning, we're looking at a man uh, blind from birth. It encompasses the entire ninth chapter of John. And i suggested to you each Sunday, previous to uh, the following Sunday, that you read along. Either if you haven't had a chance to read it before, you can follow along with the story by using one of your pew Bibles. Next Sunday, we'll be looking at Lazarus. That's the 11th chapter of John. But this morning as a way to kind of get us started. We're going to look at some focus verses that really conclude the story that's in the 9th chapter. So verse 35 through uh, 41 I want to read to you. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. He's talking about the blind man now. Jesus had heard that they had driven this man out, no longer blind, he can see. And when he found him, Jesus finds him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we're not blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say, We see, Your sin sin remains. That's God's word for us this morning. A quick uh, run through the story. The man that uh, Jesus encounters. First, the notable thing about the story in this ninth chapter is that when Jesus comes to the man, when Jesus sees the man, it's Jesus who responds. This is unlike most of the miracle stories in the Gospels, because this man is not seeking Jesus, he's not uh, asking somebody to uh, take him to Jesus, he's doing what he did every single day of his life, particularly and especially his adult life, he's sitting on a street corner, he's begging for food, for money, He's begging so that he can survive. He's blind. In the encounter, the first thing that happens is something that's typical of all of us. The disciples are with Jesus. They see this man blind, lying on a street corner, desperate, destitute. And the first question they ask is, Why has this happened? And they put it in before they can give Jesus and before Jesus has a chance to answer, they answer the question. Why has this happened? There must be some explanation to this. All of us do that. We hear of somebody, a good person, to whom a bad thing is, is going to happen or about to happen, They've gone to the doctor, they found out that they have cancer, and the first question that comes to our mind, the first question that might come to their mind, is why? Why did this happen to me? We hear of some horrendous disaster, the first question on our lips is why? How did this happen? Why did this happen? How could it happen? The disciples are no different. How is it that this happened to this man? Why is it that this happened? And before Jesus speaks a word, the disciples answer. Or offer him an answer. Was it this man? Or was it his family, his mother and father? who were sinners. Is that the reason that this man is blind? Is that the reason that he's afflicted? And Jesus' answer is challenging. Because what Jesus, when Jesus responds, he says, this man is blind in order that you may see God's glory. And as soon as Jesus speaks, then Jesus moves to the man. And in order so that everybody can know, so that nobody makes any mistake or misunderstands those who are present, those who are watching, so that they can know that what is about to happen actually happens. Jesus takes water, mixes it in the dirt, makes mud, puts it on the man's eyes. It's it's visible. It's tangible. You can see it. There can be no mistake about what's happening at this moment. Jesus is doing something. He puts the mud on the man's eyes. He tells the man to go wash in the pool. The man does. And as soon as he has washed the mud from his eyes, he can see. And anytime we get good news, and this is typical also, we go back to the the, to the doctor. We go uh, uh, to, uh, to uh, ask our, our rehab person, person that's doing therapy with us. We have X-rays. Has the bone healed? Is the hip okay? Is the leg okay? Is everything working or about to work as it should? And we find out yes, it's, it's good. You're looking good. It's getting better. We go to the doctor and, and get the word that you know, we're in remission, or there's no sign of the cancer that was previously diagnosed. That makes us feel good, very good, excited. The man is blind; he can see. He's excited, and he's not see. You know, he's not doing anything other than what any of us would do, which is telling everybody. What has happened? And the Pharisees find out. And so they want him to come and explain exactly what happened to him. So the man recounts the story. And the first thing that happens in the story is that we find out that Jesus did this. This occurs from verse 31 to about verse 40. First thing that the Pharisees bring up is, well, you know what? This happened on the Sabbath. Jesus healed you on the wrong day. That can't happen. That can't be. Everybody knows that you're a sinner if you do these kinds of things, that sinners can't make blind people see. So what really happened? Were you really blind from birth? Because we know it couldn't happen the way that you said it happened. Because it's the Sabbath. And we got rules about that. We got things that say, you know, those kind of things can't happen. You're breaking our rule. The guy says, uh, you know, what can I say? It's as I it's, it's as I spoke. It's as I said. This is how it happened. And the Pharisees are concerned about... uh, They want to be right. So sometimes in our life... Oftentimes in our life... We can be so concerned about being right... That we don't want to be well. We don't want to hear the truth. It disrupts our sense of what we've already figured out. This is the way it's supposed to happen. This is what's right... You know, blind guys, uh, you know, particularly, uh, you know, can't be healed by somebody who's a sinner, who's obviously a sinner, or he wouldn't have been doing this on the Sabbath. That's what's right. As soon as the Pharisees stake out their claim to what's right, they've cut themselves off from being well. They've rejected what God is doing. They've distanced themselves. They've put a wall up between where they are and what they, where they think God is supposed to be. Uh, this past summer, I heard Shane Claiborne speak. And Shane Claiborne, some, some years ago, Shane Claiborne has an inner-city ministry in Philadelphia. He looks, uh, it's two street people. Uh, he took a, a vow years ago, shortly after he got out of college, that he would live a simple life. So Shane Claiborne, if you see him, he looks like a street person. Uh, In fact, he looks worse than many street street people. He was invited to speak at Duke University. He's got a tremendous ministry. He speaks all over the country. He was invited to speak at the chapel at Duke University. Hundreds of people there. When he came into the, the building, or when he came into the cathedral, the chapel. Uh, he was not dressed as most of the people who come to speak at Duke University are dressed. He didn't have any clerical robes on. He wasn't wearing a suit and tie. He came like he he, he always comes. like the street, you know, dressed like a street person. Dressed like a person that... Uh, that most of us, if we saw him coming, would try to, you know, gently kind of move as far down to the edge of the sidewalk as we could as we walked past them, just because we're concerned, suspicious about what might happen if we get too close. So he got up and he spoke about the reception he got when he when he uh, walked into Duke and. He, Uh, as he was traveling around the campus, he said some people, uh, he said in fact uh, many people welcomed me graciously. They didn't know who I was necessarily, but they welcomed me. He said, but a lot of you treated me like I think you probably treat many street people. You either ignored me or you did your best to get as far away from me as you could. You'd already predetermined who I was before I ever said a word or before you ever said a word to me. You are already had determined that you're right about, you know, about your stereotype, about what you think of street people or about any class of people. This is who they are. Because they engage in this behavior, certainly God doesn't have any favor, show any favor toward them. They're not saved. This is who they are. That's what's right. And so we cut ourselves off. Or we predetermine. We, we have already established what's right. And then, therefore, we don't want to hear what God might have to say. Who God might use. What God might do. We've already decided would you rather be right, or would you rather be well? Would you rather hear what God is doing and can do? Well, so convinced were the Pharisees that this man was not telling the truth, they even called his parents in. Tell us the real story. What really happened to him? Parents are so afraid of being sent out of the synagogue because anybody that confesses that Jesus is the Messiah is, is shunned. They're gone. Done with. We're right. We don't want to be well. And if you uh, try to teach us anything differently, you're out. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to be challenged. We don't want to know the truth. Just get out of our life. Get out of our church. Parents come. They know this. All they uh, can testify to is what they know. And they say, well, we know that he was blind blind when he was born. We know that. But all the other stuff, you know, about what happened to him, you're going to have to ask him. We don't really know. But we do know that he was blind when he was born. Pharisees they're not quitting and you know what people are dead sure they're right don't want to hear anything else they don't ever quit they'll hammer away at you in any way that they can until they can get you to come to their point of view which is always right not interested in truth not at all interested in making sure that nobody challenges their authority, their position, their right. Come into my church unwashed. Come into my church with what I perceive to be a sin that's unforgivable. Come into my church and if you don't look like me, if you don't act like me, if you don't have the same preferences as me, the list goes on and on and on if you don't measure up to my standard what I believe is right then you've got to be a sinner I'd rather be right than well than hear the truth Pharisees don't quit either they call God back in now tell us the truth this time what really happened and the guy says you know what I've already said this once. Why do you keep asking me? And the Pharisees bring up all the theological discussions. Finally, he answered the man that's been healed answers. I don't know whether the guy's a sinner or not. You know, that, that's, for, that's for you guys that are interested in doctrine and interested in theology and interested in creeds and interested in all these things that say, you know... You have to measure up. Uh, I don't know any of that stuff. All I know is I'm a beggar. I've been on the street my entire life. All I know is that I've been rejected. All I know is that I've been ignored. All I know is that I've been blind since I was born. That's what I know. I don't know if this guy's a sinner or not. You guys can argue about that. All I know... Is I was blind and now I can see. Now the other interesting thing, the way the story concludes with the verses that we just that I just read a little while ago, is that when the guy leaves and Jesus hears about all this, the guy doesn't go back to Jesus and tell him, you know, all this stuff's been going on. Jesus finds him. But Jesus is not giving up either. Jesus finds him and says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the guy says, Tell me who it is. Explain that to me. Tell me who it is. I'll believe. Jesus says, You're looking at it. And the man's simple confession is. Lord, I believe. In the Gospel of John, sin for John is not so much conditioned on behavior, you know, what you do or what you don't do. It's what you accept or what you don't accept, what you believe or what you don't believe, what you reject or what you embrace. So in John 3.16 when, when we get to that, uh, that most often memorized and quoted verse, "God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish." And then three seventeen, "I didn't come into this world to condemn the world; I came to save." Some people choose darkness. It came to save. For the blind man, he sees. Light has come into his life. He's decided he wants to be well not so much concerned about being right. And he has been made well. And accepts the source of that wellness. Embraces God's love. God's forgiveness. For John, sin is rejecting that which God offers. It's distancing ourselves. It's insisting That God, you must be this way. And if you're not this way, then I'll just put up this wall, separate myself from you. I'll walk away from you as far as I can get. I'll ignore you. I'll reject you. I'll do anything, but I'm not going to embrace that which you've offered to me. So we wander in darkness. Asking ourselves from time to time, where is God? Asking ourselves from time to time, why doesn't God love me? I thought God was supposed to love me. When all along, the problem is not with God, the God who's already said to every single one of us, to all of creation nobody's excluded from this invitation, to everyone I love you, you're my children. And God waits patiently and continues to wait patiently for us who are blind to be able to see and to be able to accept and to be able to embrace God who wants to embrace us through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. These things that we know through Christ Jesus. Lord, you've revealed that to us. And Lord, uh, help, help us to drop the scales from our eyes. Help us to open our hearts, our eyes, our arms, and receive your love and your grace. Grace that's greater than all our sin. What's in Christ's name, Amen.